Magandang uh, hapon po at tanghali sa inyong lahat. Welcome to the Living Word Fellowship's online worship service. And we're happy that you have joined us today in our online worship service. Wherever you are in the world, probably you're here in Singapore or listening in the Philippines, or you're a member of the Living Word Fellowship, or your friend probably had shared this as a watch party, we welcome you today and thank you for joining us today in our worship service. Uh, I'd like to say that at this point, our church is already open and we invite you to come to church, but you need to pre-register online. And we have a dedicated Eventbrite link for that, so please pre-register before you come because we need to do safety management uh, procedures. And so when you come over, uh, please do pre-register with the link. It's an Eventbrite link. And when you come, ensure that you bring your IC so we could do a safe entry for you or you could use your internet-enabled mobile, uh, internet mobile phone so you could scan our QR code. And of course, wear a mask when you come because that's part of our safety management process. With that, um, I think we can proceed with our lesson or our sermon for today. So I'm excited to be here. And today, we will be discussing a very familiar Bible character. And in fact, this character became a poster boy uh, for suffering. It's a Christian poster boy for suffering. But sometimes, our familiarity with this Bible character dilutes the truth or the meaning of the book named after him. And I will tell you who this person is. I hope today, with our short time together, we would be able to reflect on the character of this person. The character of this person, and number two, the attribute of God. So after this, I hope that it will give us another angle when we look at our situations, when we look at our trials or suffering, it will give us a better angle on how we should or we ought to appreciate our circumstances. So today we will be reading from the book of Job. Uh, it's an entire five chapters we need to read, but for the interest of time, we'll only read two, uh, four verses from two chapters. So I will only read selected uh, verses from two chapters, Job chapter 1, verses 20 and 22, and Job chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. So please read with me, wherever you are, these verses, and I will be reading from the English Standard Version. Job chapter 1, verses 22 22. Then Job arose and tore his robe, and shaved his head, and fell on the ground, and worshipped. And he said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all this, Job did not sin or charge God with wrong. In Job chapter 2, verses 9 and 10, then he said, then his wife said to him, Do you still hold fast to your integrity? Curse God and die. But he said to her, You speak as one of the foolish women would speak. Shall we receive good from God and shall we not receive evil? 
in all this, Job did not sin with his lips. Let us all pray. Our God, our Heavenly Father, we worship you and glorify your name. Lord, today as we study your word, as we look into this character, Lord, I pray that you will be with us. Open our hearts, Lord God. Open our souls so that we will be receptive to your word. Father, I pray that with our short time together, we will be able to understand who you are in our lives. We worship and glorify you. All this we ask in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, I am very sure that you are very familiar with this book and with this story, Job. As I mentioned, he is the poster boy when it comes to suffering. And when we talk about trials, when we talk about evil, usually Job would be the often quoted Bible character. And he's a favorite Bible character uh, used for preaching when we discuss these things. And of course, I'd say this, and um, I think most of you would, would agree that all persons, all human beings at that, suffered pain and trial in one way or another, or at least at least once or twice in their lives. I'm not referring to simple trials, like you miss the bus, or um, you probably have no money left in your pocket, although probably some people might find that very difficult. But I'm referring to big tickets in life. Suffering, great suffering, terrible suffering. And whenever we experience these things, I don't know if you have experienced this, but I did, we would often ask God this question. We would often ask God why. So I've entitled this sermon, Asking God Why, When Bad Things Happen to Good People. Because this is the common problem and, and common problem and when we do a usual reading of this book. The focus so much became so much of Job rather than God, and never of God. But I think I'd like to offer you that Job is not actually about him. It's not about the tenacity of Job. It's not about Job's strength of character. If you ask me, Job is about God himself. And so before we go further, allow me just to give you a brief background on this book and at the same time refresh you of refresh your memory of what happened to Job. Now Job is a book in the Bible is uh, one of the wisdom books meaning Ecclesiastes Song of Solomon and Proverbs. This is categorized traditionally categorized as one of the uh, wisdom books because there's a lot of wisdom that we could take from this book. But uh, the book of Job has an anonymous author and Bible scholars are debating as to when it was written. So there is no historical allusion to determine its actual writing. Having said that, we also see in the book that Job obviously knows God and is God-fearing. He's a very God-fearing man. We see that in Job chapter 1, verse 1. There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job, and that man was blameless 
and upright and one who feared God and turned away from evil. So he's a very righteous man. He knows God and is God-fearing. So let us look into his story. What happened to him? Satan appeared before God and God asked him. He said, to make the long story short, he said, have you considered my uh, servant Job? And of course, Satan said, oh, the reason why this person blesses you and the reason why this person likes you is because you're blessing him. Look at him. He's one of the richest men. He had many children. He is very rich. He's very comfortable. So Satan, the enemy, is trying to say here that, yeah, put him to test. Remove all of this from him and see, he will curse you. So God said, okay, you can do everything but spare his life. And we already know what happened. He was tested. All his properties were destroyed and his children died. And of course, Satan again appeared to God and said that, God said, you've already uh, seen my servant Job. He did not curse me. He's, he's very good. And Satan said, that's nothing. Try to inflict pain on him. Try to uh, put his health at risk and see, he will curse you. And God said, okay, but just spare his life. And so he was afflicted with a terrible disease. It appears to us it's skin disease because the Bible says that he has a sore from head to foot, to, to the sole of his feet. So probably it was a terrible skin disease or probably a, a disease that manifests itself uh, outside of the body. But he was afflicted with terrible disease. In fact, if we look in chapter 1 and chapter 2 and read the story, it's a story of a great tragedy. Here, when we read Job, we focus on him. But you see, this the story and the lesson of this book, if you closely read this, is not about why God sends suffering to people. In fact, I would argue that Job did not answer why there is suffering in this world. At least straightforwardly, it wasn't answered. So you might be disappointed if you're looking for an answer to that question. But what we see here is this. I would say, and let me offer this, God is introducing Job as a character, as a reflection of us, as our nature as human beings. And what he want us, wanted us to take a look and take a bite and embrace is his attribute and character. So at least... In this story, we have three characters. It's Job, it's God, and his friends. So I will discuss these three things. The character of Job, the attributes of God, and his friends. But for the interest of this time, I will leave the friends to another sermon. I will focus only on Job, the character of Job, and the attribute of God. Let us look into the first person here, or the character of this person. And I hope we would learn something from him. 
The first is Job. Now, when we look into his life, he's a righteous man and God-fearing. We've said that. He's a man of integrity. His wife said, why are you still clinging on to your integrity? We've read that in um, verses uh, 2 and chapter 2, I mean. And we can also see that Job was very tactful. In the first two chapters, he was very careful not to curse God. He was very careful with his words. He's not imprudent with the way he speaks. And he's very humble. Let us uh, examine these verses, chapter 1, verses 20 and 22. And let's see, and probably we will learn uh, how Job faced his problem. Probably we could also learn from him. In Job chapter 1, verses 20 to 22, then Job arose and tore his robe and shaved his head and fell on the ground and worshipped. And I hope by now you see how Job responded to the tragedy that befell upon him. And he said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all this, Job, Job did not sin or charge God with anything wrong. So, when we examine how Job responded to the tragedy of his life, we could take and see that he arose. And that act of arising is actually as a signification that he faced his affliction. Pag tayo humaharap sa problema, harapin natin yung ating mga problema. Huwag nating pagtaguan, huwag nating takbuhan yung ating mga problema. Job here arose. And another, when we see this verse, Job arose and tore his robe and shaved his head. So here we see that he humbled himself and repented because the act of tearing your robe and shaving your head is an act of repentance. And this is very true to the nature and character of Job. We've, we've read here in uh, verse, uh, uh, verse chapter 1, verse 5 and 6, and when the days of the feast had run their course, Job would send and consecrate them, and he would rise early in the morning, offer burnt offerings according to the number of all of them. For Job said, it, it may be that my children have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus, Job did continually. So, I'm, I'm reading, I've just read a passage where it proves that it, it's the nature of Job that he would always repent and ask God if he did something wrong and would confess his sins to God. And this is his character. This was after. He would usually do that even before this tragedy happened because when his children would gather and have feasts and would have parties, he would assume that they probably in the midst and in the, in the course of the party, his children probably had cursed God because they're probably drunk or they have done something wrong, so Job would usually offer and ask God repentance. So it's part of his nature. 
So Job here humbled himself and repented. So when we face a problem, our first position should be that of humility. Huwag na tayong magmalaki sa Diyos. Huwag na nating sabihin, kaya natin. Tayo ay humingi ng tawad, magsuri ng ating mga sila, examine ourselves, and see where we are. Ask God and repent. Another is, God, uh, Job recognized God's sovereignty. We read in this verse and fell on the ground and worshiped and that act of worship of job is job's recognition of god's sovereignty he worshiped pag kayo may problema gaya kay job hindi lang magpakumbaba kung hindi sumamba marami sa atin pag nagtatampo pa sa Diyos, ayoko munang magsimba, ayoko munang pumunta ng church, I don't want to do this, I don't want to pray, because nagtatampo ako sa Panginoon. Job recognized God's sovereignty and worshipped Him. So I think this is a very good lesson for us when we face tragedy. Face our affliction, humble ourselves, examine ourselves, and recognize God's sovereignty by worshipping Him. All the more kayong lumapit sa Diyos, kapag kayo ay may problema. All the more that you should come to the Lord when you face trials, when tragedy struck you. All the more that you should recognize God and worship Him. And of course, He blessed God. He worshiped Him. He said this in that verse, The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. He said this, In the midst of His tragedy, He said, Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hindi siya nag-Facebook, hindi siya nagparinig sa kanyang mga kaaway, hindi siya nagsabing, Lord, sobra-sobra naman ito. Ang ginawa niya, He blessed the name of the Lord. He honored God. And this is difficult. And sometimes it's also true. Hindi naman minsan problema yung suffering. Because when suffering comes into our lives, the first thing that we do as people is that we would usually face it with courage. First instance, marami mga tao, when they would face problem, they would usually face it with courage. They would face their affliction. They would humble themselves. They would repent. They would worship God. They would come to God, in fact, when they face trouble. They would even bless God. Oh, Lord, I'm having this problem. I'm having this difficulty. Oh, Lord, I'm clinging on to you. So when tragedy strikes, many people would cling on to God. And usually, they would cling to God whenever they have problems. But that is not just the issue here. The issue is not when tragedy strikes. The issue here is the length of suffering. Sometimes yun ang problema. Don't tayo bumibigay. It's, no, it's not an issue when you got sick and after probably a month or two, you'll get well. That's not an issue. What if you have a lingering disease? It's not bad to probably lose a business after a year or two, but to be bankrupt, to be indebted for the rest of your lives would be difficult. So sometimes it's not about the suffering. The issue here is not about the suffering. Another issue about suffering is the length 
of suffering. Gaano katagal yung paghihirap? Doon ka bibigay eh. Yung dumating yung problema, you're, you'll be okay. But that's not the issue. The problem here is when problem comes and they stay on for a very, very long time. Now you're tested. Diyan ka makisimulang bumigay. In fact, later on, we could see that Job somehow vacillated. Now we'll see that a, little, a bit later. So here, as the problem of Job lingers, here we see. His wife said to him, do you still hold fast to your integrity? Because here we see the tenacity of Job. Talagang willing siya to hold on to it. But it's really terrible. It's very, very tragic. Siguro yung wife niya nahihirapan na rin. Kaya ang sabi ng wife niya, why are you still holding on to that? Curse God and die. This very beautiful uh, quote that Job said here, and said, shall we receive good from God and shall we not receive evil? Job is really recognizing that God is not just a sender of good things. He would also allow terrible things to happen in our lives. And I think that's the truth. God will allow terrible things to happen to us. And that's the truth. And so when these things happen, when tragedy strikes, when trials come, when suffering falls on us and they linger, then we ask this question, why God? Why me? Why this suffering? Why so long? Why is this suffering so terribly, agonizingly long? When we ask God why, at least we have two assumptions. We as human beings, when we ask God, when we ask, why God? Why are you sending this suffering to me? We ask that because, number one, we want to make sense of our suffering. We wanted to know the reason. There must be a reason why I'm suffering. So somehow, it would appease us if we know that our suffering has meaning and a significance. The reason must be good. And if we know the reason for our suffering, somehow, it would appease us. Another reason why people ask God and say, why God? Why me? Why this suffering? They ask God not just because they wanted an answer, but they wanted to clench their fist against Him as if God owes them something. As if God has done them injustice. And in fact, this is Job's predicament later on. We would see that if we read the entire book of Job. This, is, has, become, this has become Job's predicament. He later on vacillated. Yung strength niya sa prolonged agony, may hangganan. Kahit gano kayo kalakas, bilang isang tao, as human beings, your strength will fail you. You can't be so strong in the midst of that lingering, prolonged pain. 
merong threshold ang tao. Merong kalamang uh, uh, threshold of pain that you can muster and hold on to. After that, bibigay ka. In fact, this would happen to Job. See how he responded. And later on, because I've mentioned, his friends are mocking him. Look at how Job's character also evolved here. At first, he got it right. He humbled himself. He repented. He blessed God. And when his friends are starting to mock him, the pain is so prolonged, his wife is also mocking him and pushing him to curse God. He probably now realized that his children were all gone. He has no property. It has prolonged him. See how Job responded to his friends in Job chapter 19, verse 6 to 7. He told this to his friends, If indeed you magnify yourselves against me and make my disgrace an argument against me, sabi niya, know then that God has put me in the wrong and closed his net about me. Parang sinasabi niya, Kung talagang sinasabi niyo nga ako may kasalanan, gusto kong malaman ninyo na God has put me to this situation. I did not choose this. He net me. Hinuli niya ako. Kinulong niya ako. He left me with no choice. So that is Job. Let's look into the bigger persona of this book. God. So we somehow examine Job. Let us examine the bigger persona of this book. And actually, he is the superstar. He is the protagonist in this entire book, God. Because we focus so much to, uh, to Job that we failed to recognize that it was God who's introducing himself here. We often misunderstand God. We misunderstood God always. Our view of God is very simplistic. We often treat God as a deity. We want a God that will only act according to our own understanding. Here's how we view God. I appease you, you bless me. You are a God who blesses. You cannot give me problems. You cannot give me pain. You just, you are there only to bless me, to make me rich, and to make me prosperous. This is the message of the prosperity gospel preaching. And that's why I have mentioned many times here that perhaps these prosperity gospel preachers have not read this book. Because here we see Job was a righteous man. He follows God. He's blessed by God. And then tragedy strikes. The problem is we only want a God according to our own understanding. We box God. We only want a God that will bless us. We often hear and see and even admit that God is sovereign. And this is what we see in this book. God is sovereign. He has a dominion and control over His creatures. He has a control over the life of Job. That's why He allowed the enemy to inflict pain on Job. He is sovereign. But this is the problem with, with, with the word sovereignty here. And this is our problem with the sovereignty of God. Ito ang problema natin sa word na sovereign. 
We only wanted to embrace the sovereignty of God if that sovereignty will be on our favor. But we don't want anything about the sovereignty of God or anything to do with God's sovereignty when that sovereignty will not be on our favor. When that sovereignty would mean control and dominion of God in our lives. Pag pinakikilaman na ng Diyos yung ating buhay, ayaw na natin siyang maging sovereign. We wanted a God that will just appease us. What you have, my dear brothers and sisters, what you're looking for is not God. What you're looking for and what you have perhaps is a deity, is a false demigod. God is not like that. He is sovereign. He has control over us. And whatever He does in us, it is His ultimate prerogative and right. Let me burst your bubble. It is not about us. It's about God. We only want a sovereignty on our favor, but not the sovereignty that God is trying to put up here. And that sovereignty means control and dominion over His creatures. Lagi nating sinasabi, ayaw natin ito, sovereignty. Parang sinasabi natin sa Panginoon, you cannot trample on my rights. Or, with this, God is also holy and righteous. But with His holiness and the righteousness of God, we see Him as a tyrant God. That since He's very holy, He is just like a cosmic governor. We see Him behind that holiness, behind that righteousness, and He sees us sinful creatures that ought, we ought all to be punished. We see a tyrant called God. We see Him as cruel, oppressive, unjust God. Dahil banal ka, Panginoon, paparusahan mo na lang kaming lahat. We see Him as God of law, but never of grace and mercy. We define also God on the throne, but never God who will be with us and understands our pain. So, wherever we view of God, whether we view Him in this manner or in another manner, we often misunderstand God and His character and His attributes. You know, the friends of Job also are a victim of this misunderstanding. They have a very simplistic view of God. They view God only as rewarder and punisher. For his friends, the way they view God, God's way is only to punish evil and reward the good. True. This is true. But this, is, but this isn't God how operates in this book. And this is not what God wants us to see. God wants us to see a bigger and greater picture. A bigger picture that He is God. Gusto ko kayong tanungin, ano ang definition ninyo sa Diyos? Sino ang inyong Diyos? How do you know Him? So here, we can find 
these two characters, opposed characters. Job, with his very limited understanding of God, and God, who wanted to introduce himself to him and to us. Job here asked the question, why did you send this calamity to me? He wanted to make sense of his suffering or assert that he need not be punished in the first place. He accepted his faith. He resigned actually to his faith. But his question, but this question is still his own reason. You know, whenever we ask the question, why God? Why are these things happening to me? You know, when we look at it, that question, it is actually for us. We wanted to appease ourselves. And so God wants us to change that paradigm. From Job, instead of asking why, God wants us to ask, the reality of the book of Job is about God. It's about Him. When we focus on God, the paradigm of the problem shifts. The nature of our problem is now differently seen. So Job is asking this question, why? Job is asking this. But God wants us to ask this question, who? We should no longer ask the question, why? Why did you allow this? Why did you allow this child to fall upon me? Why is my child sick? Why did you take my loved ones away? Why am I sick? Why have you allowed my husband or my wife to betray me? Why have you put me to this test? As Job said, why, O oh God, you have put me in the wrong? Or you might say, why, O oh God, you have forsaken me? Because even if we know the answer to our question, why, and we make sense of it, will it change? No, it won't. But when we change the question to God or who, it will be different. Let's try to make the statement different. Instead of asking why, let's ask this, who? Who promised you who will be there for you? Who promised you and said that he will never leave you nor forsake you? Who promised you that he shall be with you? And who said that you ought to be strong and courageous? Who is this sovereign and providential God? Who? Instead of asking why, ask who. The test actually now when we face trial, is not asking God why, but who is your God? Because when you face trials, when you face problems, when you suffer, do you know who your God is? If we profess that we know God, when we face these things, when we face this kind of troubles, this great calamity, if we know who He is, we would be able to say what Job said in this verse. Though he slay me, yet I will trust in him. This is the true test that you know God. 
that though He slay me, yet I will trust Him. Wow! The issue is no longer us. The issue is how well do I know my God? I need not have any reason. I just know who God is. We always put ourselves in the center of everything. We are all self-centered people. We forgot that there is God. It's not about us. It's about a faithful, loving, righteous, sovereign God. Who is your God? If you truly, truly know Him, your problem, the center of your problem, the paradigm of your problem will shift from yourself, from why to who. What is, the, what is that that Job understood at this point, that he was able to say this, that though he slay me, yet I will trust in him. As we go through this pandemic, as you go through joblessness, an uncertain future. We don't know whether the vaccine will, will be out next year or this year. We don't know how long we will be wearing masks and we will have this kind of protocols. We don't know. It's very uncertain future. When waves come crushing down on us, when we ask the question, who, you can put your faith in this holy, righteous, sovereign God. He is all-knowing. He knows what He is doing. And that is why also in Job, he says this, I know that my Redeemer lives. And that, in the end, he will stand on the earth. He understood. From why, who? I know my Redeemer lives. It's not about questions. It's not about how. It's not about why, who. I mentioned a while ago, that we often look God as if God had done injustice to us. It is as if God had been unjust to Job. In fact, he was an innocent man, isn't he? That God caused this great tragedy to fall upon him. I have mentioned many times here, let us not always ask God justice. Because justice is getting what you deserve. If we will use the paradigm and the story of Job as our measurement, kasi nanghihingi tayo ng justice, hindi ba? Napaka-unjust naman, Panginoon, ang ginawa mo kay Job. Let's look at that um, model. If God will use here justice in this story, none of us will stand a chance of being blessed. All of us would deserve punishment. Because justice essentially means you get what you deserve. And all of us deserve punishment. Because kung justice ang pag-uusapan, God has put one innocent person. That innocent person died on your behalf. An innocent man who deserves nothing but glory and majesty, but unrobe himself of that majesty and glory, clothe himself with humanity, and embrace death on the cross. That innocent man that God placed on our behalf is none other than Jesus Christ. This man, though found blameless, was put to shame, suffering, and death for you and me. So you and I will not receive 
the justice of God. Instead, what we got is mercy and grace. So Job doesn't operate in reward and punishment like what his friend is saying. This is actually a foreshadowing of Jesus Christ. There is this person. It's not Job. It's Jesus Christ who was put there, an innocent man, and all of the sin of the world was placed on his shoulders. Have you seen Jesus in the story of Job? Because this is what God does. It reflects on how God did not operate in the system of justice. He operated through grace and mercy. Because if we will follow the model, we don't deserve any chance to be given that mercy and grace. What we ought to receive is punishment. You know, what happened to us as God has given us mercy and grace is the reversal of what happened to Job. And in fact, what happened to Jesus himself reversed. It was the reverse. Let me invert the story. As we read in chapter 1 of Job, Satan appeared before God and God said, Have you seen my creatures all sinful? Men and women, they have all rebelled against me. And Satan came, Why don't you punish them? Why don't you put them all to great damnation? Why don't you destroy these people? These people rebel against you. They ignored you. They cursed you. Let us invert the story. God says, no. I will pour out my grace to these people. I will send my only begotten son to these enemies of mine. I will adopt them as my son and daughters to live with me. The enemy was stunned. And so, Job, perhaps, in this book, when he said, I know my Redeemer lives, is a foreshadowing of Jesus Christ. It's not an empty statement. It is an affirmation of God's salvation. This Redeemer lives. He sees, he hears, he understands. Whatever it is that you're going through, you have lived a life of sin, you have questioned God in your life, and with the rebellious stone, you, rebellious stone, you've said, why God? He is your Redeemer. He lives. Behold your God. Behold your Redeemer. He will come and save you. He will restore you. Know Him. While God understands your whys, you're asking God whys, He understands that. Ask this, who is God? Do you know him? Ask God, who are you, O God? I want to know you. I want to taste and see that you are good. I want to know you. I want to see your holiness in my life. 
I want to see your righteousness in my life. I want you, O oh God, to forgive me. And if we ask the question, who? God says, if you seek me, you will find me if you seek me with all your heart. And he's promised this. Those who come to him, by no means, he will turn away. Seek him and find him with all your, with all your heart. Asking God why should be no more. Ask who he is. In the midst of your struggles, in the midst of your suffering, in the midst of your temptation, ask who is your God. Let us pray. Oh Father in heaven, we worship you and glorify you. Lord, we often ask this question. We often ask, Lord, why you have given this problem to us? Why you have put us to test? Why you have allowed these things to happen to us? Oh Lord, those things should not be our question. You have not given us these things, Lord God, for us, for us to ask why, but Lord, for us to know who you are. Because you are introducing yourself to us. You have shown yourself to us through our Lord Jesus Christ. You've given us grace. You've given us mercy. Lord, I pray for your people today. I pray for my brothers and sisters. I pray, Father, that in the midst of their troubles, their pains, the suffering that they are now experiencing, Father, I pray, that they will cease asking why and they will say, God, who are you? I know you are good. I know you are righteous. I know you mean good to us. I want to taste, Lord God, that you are good in our lives and that you are merciful. May our problems, Lord, be focused not on ourselves, but who you are. And so, Father, be with your people today. Give them peace in the midst of this pandemic. Give them hope in the midst of their sickness, in their joblessness, or in the troubles that they are now facing. Be with them, O Lord. Grant them your peace, I pray. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, our great Redeemer, our Savior. Amen. Amen. My dear brothers and sisters, let us receive the benediction of God. And the God of grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will, will himself restore you and made you strong, firm and steadfast. To him the power forever and ever. Amen and amen. May the peace of God be with you all. Thank you for joining us today. And let us continue to be a blessing to one another as we love God and loving and love people. Thank you and see you again next week.